For almost 40 years, an incredible phenomena has been occurring in a remote village of Bosnia-Herzegovina, which may contain secrets that could change life as we know it. After hearing of a number of miracles from first-hand witnesses, I wonder if this could be a giant wake-up call for humanity. Considering once these secrets are revealed, it could be too late, this just might be worth taking a look into. I'm Shannon Gieselman, and since the day I discovered this place called Medjugorje, I haven't been able to take my mind off of it. Why doesn't everyone know about it? Well, join me as I bring real-life stories of miracles of Medjugorje and why this is a modern-day case for grace. All right, welcome back to Miracles of Medjugorje, a case for grace. I'm Shannon Gieselman, and with me here today, I'm thrilled to announce we have author and fellow podcaster Cindy Peterson with us. Uh, Cindy and I met through a couple of mutual friends, mutual Medjugorje friends, and I'm just so honored, Cindy, to have you here with us and humbled, very humbled to have this moment with you um, because I definitely had my fair share of interviews being canceled because of the trepidation of being out there with this such a vulnerable story, you know? telling about Medjugorje just seems to be just something that people get cold feet once it comes down to it. So thank you so, so much. No yeah. worries. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, before we begin, if you would join me in a brief prayer to open this up. In the yes. name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father and most blessed Mother, thank you for giving us this moment to share Cindy's story with our listeners. And may you protect her and give her strength as she just so courageously opens up to give us just a peek into the miraculous world of Medjugorje. I thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cindy, um, if you could just start with telling us how you first learned about Medjugorje. Well, Medjugorje came out of the blue for me, actually. I mean, I can say when I was younger, my mother spoke to me about it once. And she mentioned it to me. She said, there's some kids over in this place called Bosnia that are seeing Mary. And I didn't really give it much thought. Honestly, I didn't. And then um, I, was, I was walking uh, through a bookstore once to pick up a baptismal gift for my, my niece. And I love to read. I love books. And so I was immediately drawn to the bookstore section of the, book, of the Christian bookstore. And uh, as I was walking by a book literally fell off this top shelf and fell at my feet. And it was Wayne Weibel's book, uh, Medjugorje, The Message. So I actually went around the other side of the aisle to make sure no one had bumped the, um, the bookcase, but no one was there. And so I went back and I picked it up and it was this beautiful picture of Mary on the cover. And it was uh, Wayne Weibel's book, you know, Medjugorje, The Message. And it re reminded me immediately of my mom because my mom had just passed away maybe a few years ago, but it was still pretty raw. And um, I remember thinking, I wonder what the church ever said about Medjugorje. I wonder what's going on with that. And so I said, oh, I'll buy the book. I'll find out. But uh, and you can read about this in my book. I wrote this whole story out. But as I was going out, I, I just realized, what am I doing? I've got three kids. I've got a husband at home. I've got a job. I have no time to be reading this stuff. And I really don't want to bring it home to my husband because he doesn't really know. Uh, we weren't living in the faith, honestly. We were just being your regular everyday Americans just going about our lives and uh, we did not focus on God. So I was kind of a little trepidatious about the conversation that might come up, like, what are you doing with this book on Mary? And so um, I decided to leave it. But as I did, I felt in my heart something tell me, 
you can leave this book here and nothing in your life will change, or you can pick this book up and your life will change. And so I, if you know anything about me, I'm not one to back down from a challenge. And so I was like, what can happen from a book? So I took it home, but I put it immediately in my closet and hid it. So, but I ended up reading that book and um, it put a desire in me to go to Medjugorje. Like I cannot explain it to you. I mean, most people say they were called to Medjugorje. I say I was driven there. I was just, I just had this drive to go there, which was put inside of me. I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so I went, Uh, I mean, I had, I went through a long story getting my husband to, I kind of tricked him into letting me go without him really realizing how much I really wanted to go. And I went and um, it was a very powerful experience for me. I would say that Medjugorje for me was something that brought my faith back to me. I probably, you know, my mom was really good at raising me in the Catholic faith, but I went away to school and I got caught up in just, you know, the world. And uh, I kind of walked away from my faith. I let it slip away. I read an article once that said, uh, most people don't really walk away from their faith and they don't really lose it. They just let it slip away. You just mm-hmm. kind of don't pay attention to it. Before you know it, you're not living it and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened to me. Just have to make it a priority. Yeah. yeah so. so that's kind of like how your life was living, living normal, busy with the job, busy with kids, caught up in the day to day, but you were Catholic. You were well aware of going to mass every day. Uh, well, Sunday. I did, go to mass. I did go to mass every week, mostly okay. out of guilt. Not out of love, not out of feeling like that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was guilt. I had to go. It's just the way I was raised. You know? so, but yeah, I mean, I had three kids. I have a wonderful marriage, beautiful home. You know, I was a surgical dermatologist. I was a Mohs cancer surgeon, took people's skin cancers off their faces and put them back together. And I had spent 10 years in the military, flew helicopters. I was a flight surgeon and I was stationed with the Marines, uh, spent some time in the Philippines and uh, had a really fun life. You know, I had, a, I had everything I ever wanted, but I will tell you, Shannon, and you can read this in my book, I did not have, I never felt like I was completely settled inside. There was something always missing for me. So I, uh, I, I was searching, I was searching to find something that would make me feel complete. And my life was not miserable by any means. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a very, I had a very nice life and I still do, but uh, there was something missing and I really wanted to, fill that hole that was in my heart, never thought it would be God. But if that book didn't fall off the shelf, I'm not sure I would have found it. I mean, I think for me, Medjugorje put God back in my life. And that's what I think Medjugorje is. You know, a lot of people are, you know, skeptical about what's going on in there. And that's fine. You can be skeptical, but find that, find wherever that place is for you to put God back in your life, do it. And I think that that is what Medjugorje does for so many people in this world. And, um, you know, the Vatican is slowly coming around. And I don't know if they'll ever fully approve it, but they've taken the travel ban off, as you know. So now um, bishops and parish priests are free to organize travel trips there, even though with COVID, no one's really traveling right now. But that's a huge step. Yeah. Well, it's my understanding they can't approve it until the apparitions have ceased. Well, I look back in Fatima and you look back and you see all those people that kept coming and coming and coming every 13th of the month, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For the new apparition. And it wasn't approved, but people kept coming. And the reason Fatima really got approved, I think, is that there was so much spiritual fruit that came out of it, along with other things. And I think that's what we're experiencing in Medjugorje. There's so much spiritual fruit coming out of it that it's hard to deny that something 
is causing people to turn back to their faith. Yeah. So you said that you, you took the book home and you were a closet reader at that point. Mm -hmm. Secretly, did you actually finish the book before you went there? Yes, I did. Yeah. You finished it and then you found a pilgrimage. How did you get on board with one of those? Well, um, I kind of had, this is kind of a funny story because I had just given up because I couldn't, I knew I had to ask my husband permission to go to Medjugorje and I didn't want to have to have the conversation with him that I really was being pulled to almost transforming my life to be centered around God, you know? And so I was kind of secretly living my faith. I was actually living, I was actually praying in my closet so he wouldn't find me. So I'm trying to bring, I was trying to get the courage to ask my husband, I, I really want to go here, but I couldn't do it. I kept failing. I remember crying one day, just going, Mary, I'm sorry. I am failing you. I will, I'll never have the courage to ask my husband. I'm so sorry. If you want me to go, you're going to have to make it happen. And so I gave it to her. And then I went to visit my brother in St. Louis. And I brought the book with me because I didn't want my husband to find it. I don't know why I was so paranoid about it, but I was. And, um, and I had it out on my table one day. And my, my brother came in the room and he said, what are you reading? And it was like the first time I, I remember thinking to myself saying, I could tell him anything, but I decided I'm going to tell him the truth. I say, it's a book on Medjugorje about Mary appearing to these kids. And he goes, Oh, I think I remember mom talking to me about that. And I remember thinking, and I tell people, if you're a mother, don't hold back and tell your kids things because you never know when it'll come back and kind of give you that impotence mm -hmm. to kind of push yourself a little bit further. So uh, he said, can I read it? And I was like, sure. So I went home and forgot about it. And three days later, my phone rang. It's my brother. And he says, Cindy, I finished that book. I want to go to Medjugorje. My wife wants to go to Medjugorje. And we want you to go with us. Will you come with us? And I was thinking, Mary, you work fast. That was like three days. I mean, that was amazing. So, um, <laughs> so I said, yeah, I will go. I will go. And he had just come from a party where um, someone had just come back from Medjugorje. And said, if you, you ever go, I know who to go with. You know, I'll give you the contact. You should only go with them. I mean, it was yeah. just too coincidental. Right. You know, so, um, so I called the person, set up the trip. And uh, I went with my brother and my sister-in-law. Awesome. Okay. So uh, once you went, I'm sure you've been many times. Do you even know how many times you've been? I have been, I believe, 20 times. 20 times. So I don't, about, I don't go for myself, to be honest. I just want to say right. this. Because you're I'm part of the pilgrimage. I, I am a pilgrimage leader. Right. So I went five times on my set by myself because I really wanted to go. But then I realized I was being called to bring others. Actually, people started probably noticing how happy I was, how different I was. Um, and I would begin to speak to them about Medjugorje. And then before I knew it, I was like, if you want to go, I'll take you. I'll take you. And then I had mm -hmm. all these groups going. So it just yeah. kind of happened. Right. And of all the times that you've been, what would you say is the most impactful? Oh, my very first time. Yeah. Well, maybe my very first or maybe my third. But, um, you know, I went there because I wanted to get as close to God as I could. Of course, that's why people go on pilgrimages, right? And um, God did not disappoint me. My very first night there, I climbed up Apparition Hill where you are in the background there. And back then there was only a, middle, a little kind of a steel metal cross, kind of something that was made out of almost guardrail, if I could put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, at that point where the Statue of Mary is now. And uh, we went up there and we prayed. It was like midnight. Came back down to the bottom around uh, the Blue Cross. And I was sitting there and it was just myself, my brother, and this other man. And uh, I started smelling roses. And I remember thinking, I had not been there before, never. And I started smelling roses. And I remember thinking, I can't wait to come here in the morning and see all the beautiful rose bushes that are here because this is such a beautiful scent. 
And then you can imagine my surprise when I went back the next morning and it's just rocks. There's not, there wasn't any bushes or anything or no vegetation, just rocks. So that was a pretty powerful moment for me. But that moment, the man I was with fell down on his knees. And I would thought that uh, he was having a heart attack because he was a little older than I was, not much, but he was older than I was. And, um, and I was, didn't know where I was, was pitch black. And uh, I was best, just about ready to ask him, are you okay? When he, I heard him say, my children, thank you so very much for coming. You have made my son so very happy. Take your hands and place them over your hearts. Take your hearts out of your chest and offer them up to my son, Jesus. You may place your hearts back in your chest. You've made my son so very happy. Enjoy your lives. Enjoy nature. Enjoy your lives. They're so very short. They're as fleeting as that of a flower. And then that was it. And he got back up and kind of sat down. And I remember looking at him going, his name was Jim. I said, Jim, was that Mary? <laughs> he goes, he goes uh, yeah. And I and immediately go into like the skeptical boat. Like, how do you do that? And he said, well, I've been evaluated by many members of the church. I've been completely evaluated by the Church of Medjugorje. And they seem to believe that I'm receiving Mary's messages. They can't say for sure, but they think uh, I have to have a spiritual advisor. I have to be very obedient. But yeah, and I, but I didn't need him to tell me that. I knew for sure. that. Um, Remind me who this Jim is. I think I've heard of him before. Well, he's in my book. I write all about yeah. him. Yeah. Does he live there? No, no, no. He was on my pilgrimage. He was one of the people. He, he, I think that was his like 14th trip coming back. He takes people as well. So. Okay. Yeah. Maybe this is why I remember him because of your book. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So that so- was pretty powerful. And then, I mean, one thing after another started happening, you can read in my book, Oops. but it was just like, I literally got to the point, Shannon, where I said, please stop. Please stop. I can't handle anymore. I was on overload. I was like, I believe you exist. I believe I can't handle anymore. And it stopped like that. And that is a gentleman. That is a gentleman. You ask him to stop, he will stop. Just too many miraculous things were happening that you were just overwhelmed in your spirit. And just like, what? It was too much for me. It was. I was just like, I I can't handle anymore. I can't. I can't. Uh, I I believe. But but it's just too much all at once. Um, So, but I think that he was calling me for a very special thing, you know. And then, you know, I come back and I find out. I was pregnant during that trip, as you know. And I came back and I found out, you know, I gave birth to my fourth child, who was a, a girl, and I uh, never had a daughter before. And I was thrilled. I remember thinking, God, you've given me everything that I wanted. I've got my faith. I've got all those other things, my career, my family, my wonderful marriage. Now I've got a girl. I've got everything. And I've got my faith on top of it all. It's just too much. It's great. And then I find out there's something wrong with my daughter. And then we go on to find out that she has a fatal disorder and that the average lifespan is nine months. And uh, it was devastating news. But I don't think without my faith, I could have survived that. And I think he was preparing me for that and and to prepare me to tell that story. And that's why I wrote my book, you know, because um, I think so many people go through life with suffering and um, they don't understand the value of suffering. If there's one thing that our world considers a sin, and that is to suffer. And I think that we don't think as God thinks, that God calls us to his heart through suffering because we're such a proud people that unless he can humble us a little bit and get us to realize that we can do nothing without him and that our lives in the end will all be completely beautiful and fine if we just understand what life's all about and not get lost in the career and the money and the power and the fame and the clothes and the working out and all this stuff. It's like, 
none of that's bad in moderation, but when we make it our idols, we are lost and we will remain lost. And um, I thank him. I mean, people are, people are surprised by my story because I say, thank you, God, for doing everything you did in my life. Thank you for my daughter. I would do it all over again and I wouldn't change the outcome because I'm so, I have such a deep peace right now and such a deep joy and such an intense faith that I would not have had without my daughter. And um, I thank God for that. She didn't live. She lived long enough to bring incredible joy to my life and to many other people's lives. And I just want to share that story because it's so powerful. Yeah, it came through suffering. And, um, you know, unless we suffer a little, I don't think we stop our lives to really think what things are about. And, uh, and if we can join that with God's, we can actually help other people as well. But that's a very Catholic thought that many people can't wrap their heads around. So. And you just give it up to God and say that your ways are higher than my ways because I know that you prayed immensely and did everything you could in terms of asking for your way. Oh, um, yeah. I begged for them. I mean, that's the title of my and, book. Yeah, and, wait for the miracle. <laughs> yes. And I just, I mean, when you say unshake, a mother's guide to unshakable faith, I mean, you, because it could have gone one way or another. It could, you could have abandoned it. Like you said, well, you know, you, could, you didn't come through for me on this one. You know, you could definitely walk away. It's that's kind of a turning point for a lot of people when something bad happens. You know, you either hit rock bottom Absolutely. or away, but yeah. Yeah. So. And I, I was there. I mean, I was there. I remember talking. I remember after I lost, I actually lost two children, as you know. Um, and after I lost my second child, I remember just thinking, you know what? <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm going to take a break here. I'm shutting the door. I, I did everything. You did nothing for me. And I'm kind of justified in my anger and I'm, and I'm walking away. And um, for three days, I didn't pray. For three days, I wallowed in my anger. And I remember on the third day, it sounds kind of funny, but I remember that third day, I, uh, I kind of like said, Cindy, you're smarter than this because you're dangerously close to getting a place to a place where you can't come back. You know, God is real. You know, God loves you. You just don't understand. And you did, and you don't, and you're unhappy because you didn't get what you wanted. That's not a very mature level to look, to live at really. In all honesty, that's pretty bratty. And I knew that my children were fine. I knew that they were in heaven with our Lord. And really as a mother, what else do you want for your kids? So yeah, I got ripped off. I didn't get to have them with me during this lifetime, but I'll have them forever in heaven. And they're with, they're with God. I mean, who wouldn't want that for their children? Honestly, if they stayed here, maybe they would have gotten lost. I don't know. So I, I know they're in heaven. So really, what am I so upset about? Yeah, it hurt. It hurt a lot. But in the end, I think every mother really wants their children in heaven. And I knew that I had that. So I kind of gathered myself up, gave myself, gave myself a mental slap, you know, in my head and said, you got to get back to the church. Cause I had, I usually go to adoration every day and I went to the adoration chapel and, um, and on the way I ran into my a pastor and he, uh, as I was walking down to the back of the chapel and he said, how are you? And I said, not good. And he goes, what's up? I go, I'm pretty angry. I'm really, honestly, I'm pissed. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, well, if you told him that, and I remember thinking, what? I'm not, I can't, I mean, I can have that conversation in my head and my heart, but not in front of actually our Lord and, you know, in adoration. I couldn't do that. And he, I go, he goes, yeah, you can. He goes, he wants all of you. He can't help you, Cindy, unless you're completely honest and you bear your heart and your soul to him and you tell him everything you're feeling. I said, okay. I was still a little scared about it. I was like, okay. So I walked back in the chapel and I said, okay, you want to know how I'm feeling? I'll tell you. You have failed me. You failed me. 
I said, you, you promised you're going to do these things for me. If, and, and I do everything for you. And you still took my, I mean, you gave me the hope because you gave me hope that she was going to live. And I went with it. And then I go, but ultimately I go, thank you for those. Cause she gave me like six extra months of her life beyond what a normal lifespan is. I go, thank you for that. I mean, really, I appreciate it. But honestly, it was your will that she die. Why did you even give me the hope? What kind of cruel God are you? I mean, do you just toy with people like that? And, uh, and I said, you've failed me. And I was like, done. I'm like, all right. I told him my piece. Never expected to kind of hear in my heart this very clear message, which said, have I failed you? How have I failed you? I have answered every true prayer of your heart. And I was like, wow. I, at first, I didn't really expect to even get any resolution. You know, I thought I was going to have to work through it on my own. And when I heard that, I was like, I immediately knew the true prayers in my heart. And I knew he was right. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, when, when I look back on it, I talk about how I couldn't even have the conversation with my husband that I believed in God much less ever think I could pray with him. We pray all the time now. We pray the rosary every day together. We prayed with our kids every night because of my daughter, because we, I had to have that conversation with my, with my husband. Like, I believe in God. God can save this girl. Medicine can't save her. I need you to know that God is real. And so we started talking about God all the time. It caused us to raise our children different. One of my sons considered becoming a priest. I mean, they all became altar servers. Uh, we go to adoration together all the time, go to confession together all the time. The way I lived my family was completely different because of those girls. And it never would have happened without the threat of them dying or actually even dying because I wouldn't have taken it that seriously. So it really transformed me. And so okay. in the end, I said, thank you. So the light at the end of the tunnel was you had already gotten to that place, that, uh, that level, but having your daughter's, and going through what you went through, your whole entire family now were broken and got down on their knees. And now they have transformed. And would you say it was a result of that? So that's how they came to be your equal. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And it's it's amazing. Like even one of my sons is like, mom, when I get married, I really want to, I want to have such a strong faith in our family because I know every marriage has problems in it. And I want my marriage to last. And I look at the way you and dad lived and I know it was your faith that kept you together. I want to have that level of commitment and faith in our family. I mean, that's what passes on the faith. You can't just live your private faith in your own little heart. It has to be really alive in your family. And then it transforms your family. And it gives you that strength. I mean, I think I read a a statistic that says like 93% of families that lose a child will end in divorce. We lost two children and our family is stronger than ever. So um, it's amazing. It really is. You can only contribute that to God, yeah. And so how did Medjugorje play? What kind of role did Medjugorje play in your family's life, your husband? Uh, he's, he's been, he went. It's not as important to him as it is as it was for me. I think I was being called by Our Lady and, uh, and by the Lord to bring people to Medjugorje, to share my story, how much it has transformed my life, the value of maybe carrying your cross through, the value of not get taking the cross out of your life because I was given the opportunity to, to abort my second child because I, did, I didn't, shouldn't have to go through that pain again. It's too hard to go through. If I didn't go through it, I wouldn't be where I am today. My family wouldn't be where I am today. And um, I think uh, one of the big messages I try to tell people is you don't have to like the crosses that are put in your life. I didn't like them. It's not the ones I would choose. But I'll tell you what, it was what I needed in my life. And in the end, it's better. And it's not only changed my life, it's changed my family's life, and it's changed thousands of other people's lives. 
many, many hundreds, hundreds of thousands actually of people's lives. And you know what? That's really what, um, that's really what redemptive love is, isn't it? It's, it's letting you be used by our Lord to bring other people to him in whatever way he chooses. You don't choose it. It's the power of the cross. It's a stumbling block for many, many people. They can't wrap their head around it, but you cannot deny it's very real. Yeah. And it works. That basically covers how your life is different now as a result of all that, how you're you're so devoted. But um, would you go back and touch on a few more miracles that you saw that you could share with? Yeah, most people go there and see the miracle of the sun. And I've seen it many times. And um, a lot of people are afraid to look at the sun. And I don't blame them because I'm a physician. And I know you cannot look at the sun without going blind. And um, I remember when I first, a person came up to me and said, are you, can you see the miracle of the sun? And I said, no, and I don't really want to look. And they said, have you tried? And I go, no, and I don't want to. They go, come on, just, you can try. And so he kind of, he said, I can see it right now. You should look. And I looked kind of briefly and I said, I I don't see it. I don't see it. And um, he goes, did you pray? And I said, no. He goes, you have to pray. He goes, it helps. If you pray and you say, Lord, I really want to see the miracle of the sun. Can you help me? Uh, it usually works for me. And so I said, all right, I'll try. So I prayed pretty intently. I was like, if you really want me to see the miracle of the sun, please let me see it. He said, okay, here's what you do. And he kind of walked me like, just kind of look at the, the horizon. And then and it's true. He said, you're going to see a little disc, a little silver disc. And it will come, once you get it, bring it up over the sun and then open both, just do it with one, one eye, then open both eyes. And so exactly what he said happened to me. Hmm. And I, all of a sudden I'm looking wide eyed, like at noon at the sun, and I can see all these lights of color shining out from behind it. And then all of a sudden two came out and it was like, I was looking at the cross, you know, it was like vertical and horizontal beams just shooting across the sky. And my brother was with me and I said, Tom, he was doing the same thing. I go, do you see the miracle of the sun? He goes, I do. I go, what do you see now? He goes, I see the cross. So we both were seeing at the same time. You know, I've seen other things. I've actually um, seen the sun dancing around. You know, it can pulsate around and spin and colors shoot off of it. So it's, it's an amazing thing. But yeah, I mean, I stared at that for over 20 minutes because um, I couldn't believe it. But nothing's happened to my eyes. So it's, it's yeah. good. You know, but I tell people, be careful with that because... You can't make it happen. If it doesn't happen, don't look at it because you can hurt your eyes. That's crazy. It's a, it's a crazy thing to tell people to do unless you're very careful about it. So it's, it's so wild too, that some people can be in the same place at the same time and some people are seeing it, but others are not. Yes. And if you look, I've learned, cause if you look around in Medjugorje, you'll see people like all of a sudden be like a group of people and they're all like looking off into the space and you realize, and I tell people, oh, they're seeing the miracle of the sun. And if you turn and you can, you can pick up on it too, but it's, it's sometimes you don't, it's not called for you. Other people just boom, it hits them out of nowhere. You know, uh-huh. God knows exactly what you need and he gives you exactly what you need. And I tell people that I said, when you go to Medjugorje, whatever needs to happen will happen if you have an open heart. And I've never had anybody say that that hasn't been the truth. So some people mm-hmm. see tons of things. Other people see nothing because they don't need it. Mm-hmm. You get mm-hmm. what you need out of Medjugorje. Um, why do you think that our mother is, is appearing here in Medjugorje specifically, and we can't get that same, that same glory here. We, we can't manifest it here wherever we want. It just, it's so concentrated just in Medjugorje. Well, um, I think that, you know, obviously Mary's appearing there, if you believe that, you know, it's a very powerful place because of that. But 
Um, I also think it's very powerful for me at least to see people from all over the world praying the rosary in all different languages all at the same time. I mean, you can't go down the streets there without seeing people, just groups of people praying the rosaries. They just walk along and pray. They go to mass. You, you, you have to wait in line to get to mass. I mean, it's amazing. You have to sit there and wait. And if you're late, you probably won't get a seat. And then go to adoration there at night and see all those thousands of people just sitting in front of our Lord in complete silence. You could hear a pin drop there. And you've got, you know, at times 40,000 people in adoration. It's a, it's, just a be- it's a beautiful sight. Just the love that's coming from people's hearts. I think just being around so much love is very, very powerful. But I think that it's also available here. I know that I would go to Medjugorje and I would feel tremendous presence of the Holy Spirit, which would get inside of me and I would bring it back, but then it would fade away. But I would tell you lately, uh, it's with me constantly. And I think that Medjugorje teaches you how to pray, how to live your life so that you can really have that with you 24-7. But it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of commitment. But if you do, you can live the joy of Medjugorje every day here. You really can. Yeah, I know that she says that she comes there and when she first started appearing because the faith was so strong there. So Mm -hmm. which came first, Mary or the faith? It was like the faith was strong there first. And then, of course, she just capitalized on that and made it even more profound, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think she used them as well. You know, I think there's a purpose for Medjugorje. I think the purpose for Medjugorje was honestly was to get the people to focus on reading the Bible, uh, fasting, uh, going to confession, going to daily mass. And um, always choosing really to stay centered on peace, you know, those five stones that she has. And I think that she's given us enough time because I think she knew that the times that we're living on in now were going to happen. If you didn't have your, the faith like they had in Medjugorje to live through communism there, because this has all happened during communism. Mm-hmm. All of this began there. Look what's happening to our world. Look at the control that the government is getting on our lives right now for, for good or bad reasons. I don't know. But um, for some reason, they're, they're telling us that we can't worship, that that's a huge health threat. So you have to have your faith pretty much established in your heart and in your lives and in your family's lives to, um, to get through this. That's just my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Another question I have for you is, why do you think that God sends his mother as opposed to him coming himself personally? That's a good question. I think that um, Jesus is here all the time with us every day in the celebration of the mass, he comes in the Eucharist. He's with us 24 seven, 365. Mary has always come throughout the ages to draw us back to her son. I think that she loves us so much that she's begged the father and her, and her son to give her another, you know, to give her that special role to call her, all of her children back to her. She loves them. doesn't matter. You don't have to be Catholic. You know, she's the mother of all of us. And she loves all of us equally. We are called in a special way as Catholics to be lights of the world, right? We are like the new Israel. We're the new, you know, they were called to be a special nation, to be a light to the world. We're that new Israel. We're the new Israel, the church is. And we're supposed to be the light to the world. So um, why he sends his mother? Probably because she's a really good mom and she really loves her kids. I mean, think about it. There's nothing I would have done for my kids to, to save them in the world to save their lives. She's trying everything she can to save us. The world is, uh, we need Mary in the world right now, more than ever. He obviously has a special role for her. If you read, I mean, in the Bible, in Revelations and Genesis, he always had a plan for the woman, which we can surmise is Mary through all this, especially with, I mean, the apparitions and the woman with the 12 stars on her head and clothed in the sun. I mean, all these things point to Mary. So when I read Revelations, I just see it all over the place. Mm Mm-hmm. 
If you look at the times, if you look at the times that we're in, it just definitely feels like it's culminating. So um, what would you say to someone who just, who questions the validity of Medjugorje? Um, I would say that that's a valid, that's valid. You know, you question everything, right? I tell my kids and I tell people who have uh, children that are away from the faith, you know what? It's not bad to question your faith. Just don't stop questioning because if the longer you'll question, the longer you search, if you give up your search, that's when you'll never find God. But if you're searching, you will find God. You will find it, but you have to be persistent in your search. So it's not so bad for people just to question. It's when they stop questioning. For questioning Medjugorje, I think that's fine, but I don't think you should badmouth something. Number one, people who do the worst about Medjugorje have never been. I will say that. But also, what's so bad about it? I mean, you got to look at the fruit of Medjugorje. You really do. It's almost like looking at the fruit of the Catholic Church. We brought universities. We brought health systems. We brought adoption. I mean, everything that's good in the most everything good in the world came out of the Catholic Church. It really did. If you do, if you do your historical research, it really has. Um, there's great things that come out of Medjugorje. There's so many apostolates, so many vocations, so many people have changed their lives and gone back to the faith. They call it, you know, the, the breadbasket of the world for confession, right? Medjugorje is known as the confessional of the world. How many people are going back to confession? Um, it's an amazing place. It really is. And um, yeah, people will always do bad things, you know, and take advantage of things uh, like Medjugorje and give it a bad name. People will do bad things in the name of God, no matter what. And so you can always find sinners. You always can. But there's a lot of good coming out of Medjugorje. There really is. And if the church condemns it, honestly, I will stand by it. But I will say that it brought me my faith. And you can never take that away from me. If they say it's bad overall, for me, it brought me my faith. I will stand by whatever they decide. I will, 100%. But um, I have seen so much good come out of it. I, I just thank uh, God for the little bit of time I was allowed to go there. It just, because it, I come from a Protestant background, I'm surrounded by a lot of Protestants and they just shut it right down saying it's demonic. And I just can't even, I can't do it. And, and if you really know and do the research, you will not find that. But they, but they just turn their heads like, oh, I can't, I can't do it because it will invite the demon inside if I, my world if I even peek into it. Well, so. you know, if, if they're good with their level of faith where they are, I really believe this. I think that the, maybe they don't need it, Shannon. I don't know. Maybe they oh, don't need it. They might, they so, probably don't. They, you know, and, and it, that's okay. And it's not for everyone, but for the people that's there, it's great. It is. The problem is, is you can't shut things out just because you don't accept them. You know, and that story of, of Jesus saying um, to the Pharisees when he healed the blind man, right? He, he, they're like, you know, well, we're not blind. We're not blind, right? He says, the fact that you say you're not blind means you're not even open to the fact that you could see more, that you could experience more, that you could have a deeper level of your faith. I can't help you because you won't even open your heart for me to get inside of you. And so that's what I feel. um, I think you have to be careful when you shut things out and you just won't even consider them. I think we have a lot of that in our world in politics. People won't even have a conversation with anybody anymore. It's like, I know, I know I'm right. And so they shut you down. Well, we're never going to grow as a nation until we can meet each other halfway and say, okay, you got a good point. And they can say, you got a good point. But how can we come and have a compromise here and not just have it all one way? Because it's not going to work that way. That was very apropos. <laughs> but uh, my thing is, is 
for people to deny Medjugorje to me is to deny God and it's happening and you can't you can deny that heaven is coming and talking to us on earth. I kind of think it's pretty important. It's like the most important thing. I just don't understand. And it's, I hear you. I hear you, but you know, I get hit with it more probably than you do. I don't know. Maybe because just because I'm so surrounded by tr that logical thing, even Mary is like, Oh, we don't talk about Mary. We don't go through Mary. We don't pray. They just, it's such a misunderstood concept. All of it. Like, having gone through RCIA and I now know that it's not that you're praying to Mary, you're asking for the intercession. And it just, it's unfortunate. They're missing that part of it. Yeah. And I think, I think we just have to just hold it in prayer, hold them in love. I, I have a lot of people that say, I can't believe that people don't believe in God. You know, I just can't believe it. And I say, well, we had, you, you got to believe it because you got to, you know, we had people like Judas, honestly, who spent three years of his life walking side by side with Jesus side by side, slept with them in the fields at night or wherever they traveled, you know, he was just with them, ate with them, everything with them. And yet he betrayed him. You know, there, there are people who will turn from God. We've got Satan, who was the highest angel in, the, in creation, and he walked away from God. People will walk away from God. They don't want to do what he wants. I just leave it into God's hands. I think what we have to be really careful of is not getting angry and not getting upset. I think that Jesus loved to the end on the cross. He took everything, every bit of hate, every bit of anger, everything that was thrown at him. He did not give in to hate. He loved to the end. And we're called to do the same thing. And I think we have to keep that in the forefront of our minds. It's all about love. Do not give in to the hate. When you give in to hate and you give in to anger and you want to fight to the end to get your way, that's not God's way of living. Right. Beautiful. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I think we covered all the, the hot spots. So thank you. Thank you so much again. I'll go ahead and um, post a link to your podcast so we can share your stories and um, just letting everyone know you can purchase your book still on Amazon or yes. where you mostly. Okay. And it's called Waiting for a Miracle, One Mother's Journey to Unshakable Faith. I'll also put a link in to my podcast as well for that. And yeah. of course you can catch Cindy on the Cindy Peterson show on iTunes or wherever you get your, your podcast. So absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you can think of? I would think if you're really into miracles, probably the best miracle that happened to me was at the very end of my book. And so I would tell you to read it because um, it's, it, it transformed my life and it made me understand the value of suffering because um, it was a message that Mary gave me understanding why my children died. Yes. And uh, I may not like it, but it, uh, it makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's the mirror of her life as well. You're asked to sacrifice for the good of others. Yes, you're so blessed to be able to walk that journey. All right. Well, thank you, Shannon. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless. God bless. Bye-bye.